just feel like, wow, <laughs> in a heartbeat, you have no horses. And that was a tough time, but we came back. Welcome to the Charles Owen Podcast. Charles Owen has been manufacturing high-performance, stylish riding helmets since 1911. And to celebrate its 110th birthday, we are interviewing a range of riders, from the biggest names in equestrian sport to up-and-coming superstars. In these exclusive interviews, they reveal their highs and lows and share their secret to success in this challenging sport. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Charles Owen podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Now, Busy, you had an amazing career. I have to be honest, I didn't realise quite how amazing it was until I started researching you for this for this interview. I mean, it is really quite incredible. I'm not going to list it all because we'd be here all day, but just to name a few. So four Olympic gold medals, team gold, team silver, team and individual bronze, numerous world game medals, including team and individual silver. And also a lot of firsts in the sport, which is fantastic. So you're the first woman to earn a million dollars for show jumping. You were the first woman, also the first American rider to reach the top three in show jumping world ranking. And the first woman to win the King George V Gold Cup at Hickstead, which you then did the following year. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just, I mean, really amazing career. And what's even more incredible is, is the number of years it spans. Because 2004 is when you got your Olympic gold. And right up until the last two years, I mean, 2018, you were the oldest athlete to ever win the World Cup. <laughs> What's your secret for this, staying at the top for this long? That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think, uh, well, first and foremost is having a passion for the sport uh, for so long. For the sport, the horses, the competition. Uh, it's, it's so fantastic that I get to combine both those passions, you know, I've always been a competitive person. I've always loved horses and to kind of gel them together is, and have that be my career. I feel really fortunate to have been able to do that. And I think I have a fantastic team behind me. You know, uh, I've had uh, one of the most important things, a fantastic sponsor in, in Abigail Wexner and quite a few others mm. before that, you know, before uh, she became such a big sponsor for me. I've, I've been very fortunate with people supporting me, and I think that's a huge, huge part of it. And uh, it, you know, it can get tiring trying to always raise money and to just have a sponsor there for you. For I think it's been almost 20 years now. She's been with us uh, is is really an advantage. Um, and I think a fantastic staff. My husband is involved in the sport, which also really helps. Uh, not only with the the fact that he yeah. he runs the stable he he trains he teaches he excellent at picking young horses he's excellent at helping me on the ground i think everybody always appreciates some help from the ground no matter how good a rider you are um and i think our you know he runs the staff we've had a probably four staff members that have been with us for over 20 years now and I think, wow. you know, that makes it so much easier to run the stable and, and, make sh and have confidence that the horses are taken care of mm. well. Um, and I think all of that combined has made it so that... And, and also having my husband be work with him. Uh, some people always think that creates difficulties, but I think we work really well together. And I think if we didn't work together, we wouldn't see each other much. So I think... Uh, 
that's also a big part, you know. People probably get tired of sacrificing family uh, for their for the sport and for the competition, mm. and uh, I haven't had to do that. Really. No, I mean, I was going to ask you about that because that is quite exceptional that, that your husband being your trainer and your partner, and I can imagine not everyone... <laughs> not everyone could do that. So that that in itself is is a success. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, so when did you? How, how did you get together? When did you and John meet? Well, probably in nineteen eighty six or eighty, or maybe even earlier than okay. that, because he worked for Katie Prudent, and uh, when I was a junior, she helped me a little bit with my horse. I eventually ended up riding with her when I went to college. Uh, a year or two later. So um, I met him then. And I think in 1986 or 87, I went to work for him. Uh, And he had a small sales business at the time and that kind of just gradually grew into a few customers. And then we, we put together some syndicates to buy horses and we were able to keep some horses as well as have some sale horses. And it just kind of gradually grew from there into more uh, developing more and more owners and sponsors that would support me and grow into doing the top sport. Mm. And you must have seen a lot of changes in the sport over the years. I mean, money for a start. I mean, just last year, you were the first rider to win the million dollar, the AIG Hits Grand Prix by winning in three locations. The prize money's really, really changed, hasn't it, over the years? For sure. I mean, uh, I think riders now can kind of make a living if they're very successful and you know most top horses should at least pay their way if not make make some money during the year how do you think that's changed the sport um has it made it more competitive has it made it more serious has it made it harder having that much money i i think for sure the sport's getting more and more competitive because there's more and more people that are that are good at the top sport um there's a Mm -hmm. lot of depth now all over the world and i think yeah, yeah, for sure. The, the money probably is a factor in that because it incentivizes owners to, buy, to have horses, um, riders to, to be more competitive, to make a living. Um, yeah, it all, it all adds up into being more competitive. You obviously are fiercely competitive because you're hugely successful and that doesn't come if you're not very competitive. <laughs> you're 57 now, is that right? Yes. So do you feel as competitive now as you did when you started out? Uh, depends on the day. <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, when I have a good day, yes. Uh, sometimes, you know, that we have so many, especially in the United States here, we have so many young riders that are, that are up and coming and winning. And, uh. and uh, yeah, it's difficult to beat them some days. But I think it's, I think I feel just as competitive. You know, it, I think it goes along with, what what horses you have in your strain too that can always go up and down for any rider and i think uh so what what you're riding has a lot to do with it as well but i I have a strong strain still now and uh yeah i feel i feel quite competitive still how do you feel physically as we get older we don't bounce quite as well do we (laughs) no (laughs) i feel good i mean i i i'd probably be lying to say i feel like i did when i when i was in my late 20s early 30s but I do work at it um I do some stretching every morning because I have a little bit of a bad back but um as long as I maintain it it's not an issue and then uh I try to work out with the trainer three days a week at least and uh 
we actually with COVID, we were able to main, we maintained it all summer. We did it by by uh, FaceTime, and uh, so that was wow. we probably had the best summer. My husband and I do it together with him, so it was probably our best <laughs> best summer. Yeah, well, I think lots of people actually got had their fittest year. Ironically, yeah. twenty twenty was their fittest year, and so again, you talking about you and John working out together. Obviously, really is a real incredible partnership. Now, do you? Do you do anything other than talk about horses? Is, is there life outside horses when, when you know, he's he's the sales guy, he runs the business and you're you're the competitor, you're the athlete. Yeah. Do you ever get time to talk about anything else other than horses? Uh, not very often. I mean, it's what we're both interested <laughs> in. Um, he, uh, yeah, it's unfortunately a little obsessed with politics these days in the States, but um, it's... Yeah. It's uh, mostly we talk about horses and, and our day and things, a little bit about family. I hope you, I hope you don't mind me asking, Beezy, but I was going to ask you now, you don't have children, do you? No. Was that a career choice for you? Was that a particular choice? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it some days. I think we would have both enjoyed having children as well, but it, it never seemed like the time was right. Um, I don't know if we should have taken it or not, but I think we were enjoying our, the ride and still are. And... Um, so that was one sacrifice we made, I think, for, for our careers. Speaking of your career, it was, it was gold at the Athens Olympics in 2004 that kind of launched your championships career, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and you were riding authentic. Mm-hmm. And he was only nine at the time. Yes. Which is kind of amazing. Um, <laughs> Can you tell me about that, about that event and also a bit about the fact that, you, you know, you took such a young horse? What was that like? Yeah, it was exciting. Uh, it was the first, obviously, my first Olympic Games, uh, so I was a little bit naive. Uh, I had, uh, Authentic was only nine years old, but he was, we had selection trials in the States and he, he came out on top in those. And I think uh, he was an incredibly cocky, brave and at the same time, careful. And I don't think there was anything he didn't think he could do. So <laughs> together, mm. together, we just kind of went with it. And uh, he, I think that whole team we had there was actually, there wasn't one rider that had ever been to an Olympic Games. McLean wow. was wow. riding Sapphire, who was also nine years old at the time. And I think a little naivety was good and, and, and hungriness, you know, we were all excited to be there. It was all professionals and we had one goal in mind and that was try to win a medal and I think uh, it ended up being a fantastic week for us. Yeah it certainly was and Authentic went on to become one of your biggest winners didn't he? Yeah for sure. What made him so special? I think he 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 loved his job he he liked to go in the rain he would kind of drag me in the rain and at big venues like Aachen or the American Invitational when we had it in the stadium here he, he if I left it up to him, he wouldn't go back out of the rain. He would turn around and go back in the rain. So I think he <laughs> he had something really special like that. And he liked the big stage. He was always a naturally fast horse. So um, I think he was always a threat in the jump off. And mm. he was careful and enthusiastic about his job and a, a really intelligent horse. So I think he actually kind of understood uh, the game a little bit. Corte is another incredible horse yes. who he was the horse that took you to um who gave you the titles for the King George the Gold Cup um and he was also ve- also voted the best horse of the games at the World Equestrian Games in 2014. Yeah. So 
lots of people don't you know are lucky to have one <laughs> one amazing horse in their career um and you've had those two did you know with those two did you spot early on you knew they were going to be as good as they were i think they actually each had different qualities when we looked at them uh Authentic, we knew since he was three years old, he was at Johann Heinz stables when he was three or four years old. So we saw him lots of times because we do most of our dealings with Johann. Um, if we go to Europe, we base out of his stable. So we knew the horse quite well as a young horse. In fact, we had a couple of clients try him and he was so green, you know, he always Made a, made a mistake or two here and there, and it wasn't really the ideal horse for any of the clients. But mm. when we had somebody that wanted to buy me a horse, um, he was the one we picked. And we knew, we picked him because he, we knew he was a winner. Um, we knew he was uh, gonna be good at something, you know? It was hard to tell. He didn't show you the raw scope and the raw power that you would expect out of a championship horse at the time. But I, I said I never felt like he was struggling at anything. We tested him over. So, um, and it was the same in his career. He just kept doing one level to the next, and he did it easy every time we moved him up, and he, and he always won at every level. So um, I think, you know, even at the championship level, I never felt like he was at his limit. And, uh, but it was hard to say that as a six-year-old. Now, Cortez, on the other hand, that was probably his his best quality was how powerful and scopy he was. Um, I think he could make a meter sixty course look and feel like a mm, meter thirty five mm. course. You know, just popped around. And so, obviously, we talked about Cortez and and Authentic are both retired now, and you've got them at home, which yeah. you're you know so lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. You've now got a retirement center. Is that right? We do. We Can have, you tell us about that? Yeah, we have probably. We have the capacity for 80 horses, and I think we're getting close wow. close to that now. Um, well, 80 retired horses. Well, some, well, horses that live out in the field. We have some that Got you. most are retired. We have a few, like I said, broodmares, and so they, you end up with a few young horses as well. Um, we have a couple young horses for other people that they send us that aren't, you know, we, they'll send us because we have room to turn them out and then break them, and then some, they'll take them. A little later and we do the same with some rehab situations you know where horses are mm. where vets have tried with a bunch of things or maybe they're injured to the point where they need a year off um we'll take them and they'll live in the field with other horses for a little bit and when they're ready when they look sound enough we start to work them but have them still live in the field and it's a good situation for that and then when they look like they might make it back in the sport, they go back to their owners. Um, so you can see the horses really, they're your passion, aren't they? It's not just yeah. about the sport, I guess it's the love of horses, isn't it? Yeah, and it's nice to see them in their natural habitat as well. It's amazing how quick they adapt to it, even the ones that have been showing. So it's kind of nice to see them back to nature. <laughs> can you tell me who are your sort of, who are your top horses would you say say right now? Well, I have uh, Breitling, who's 15 now, and uh, obviously a World Cup. He was a World Cup champion. He's won numerous Grand Prix. He just won a Grand Prix yesterday or two days ago, down here. And uh, fantastic. Yeah, and so you're in Florida, is that right? Yeah, yeah, in Wellington. Yeah. So he's he's my most experienced, but um, I think probably my most hopeful is a not is a 10 year old now in Garant, 
and he won. Okay. He's already won a few Grand Prix. He jumped clear in a, quite a few Grand Prix last year, and he's uh, probably my going to be my top horse. Is my prediction for this year? I think he's probably one of the best young horses I've ever had. Wow! So that must must be exciting. So after all these years in the sport, to then and amazing horses you've had that you now think that you've got yeah. one of the best horses ever. It must be very exciting. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, you know, he's. We've had him, we bought him from Willem Grava when he was uh, six, the end of his six-year-old year. And again, just like Authentic, he's been a winner all through his career. Um, and he's kind of like Authentic in a way that he's so intelligent and, mm. and has fun in the rain and loves his job. And uh, I think he's, I think that's what keeps the horses going is when they're really enthusiastic about their job and, and going and trying hard for you. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And there was one, one of your horses I want to talk to you about. I think it might have been Judgment. Yeah. Now, we interviewed Jill Treese for our last episode of the podcast. Now, she is a big proponent of positive reinforcement using clicker training. Yeah. And she said that you'd use clicker training because yes. Judgment was scared of water jumps. Is this correct? Yes, uh, we did. And we spent a lot of time with it. We were fortunate enough to be friends with somebody who developed a girlfriend who worked at SeaWorld and worked with the marine mammals <laughs> with the positive reinforcement. Yeah. And so he became interested and involved in that with her. And then they ended up coming to our farm. And as a project, we gave them a couple young horses, uh, two or three of them, that they could work with and, and mm. try to test out the positive reinforcement. And they, they did it for a while and then... Went, we got judgment, I think, when they were still there. So we yeah, introduced it to judgment, and we used it, yeah, to train him to jump the water. And I think it was really, uh, really successful. Um, he, he learned a lot from it, uh, and it was, we never had a session where I had to uh, whip him or, you know, that it was a big deal jumping the water. And so it was a good learning experience for us as well, how horses mm. and animals learn. And it mm. was a great, I would recommend somebody going through it, whether they plan on using the training later or whether, you know, it's just a good experience learning about how animals learn things and how you have to be careful mm. what you do mm. teach them because you might be teaching them something you don't even know you're teaching them at the time. So, um, it, it, and it was all about setting the horse up for success to do it right. And I think we've yeah. kind of carried that over into our regular training too. I can't say that we've used the clicker training consistently, but every now and then we go back to it if we have a funny situation like a horse that's difficult to back. Now, Beezy, we put some questions. We, we put a request out on the Charles Owen Instagram page for questions from from fans and we've got lots and lots of questions that came through yeah um, i'm going to put to you now so i've got ariel underscore chestnut seven said how did you start your riding career well i was lucky enough to be born into a horse family so i grew up going to the stable as a baby really and i think i rode the sat the saddles on the saddle rack first <laughs> and then uh there was a rock where the place where my parents had horses there was a riding school so I was able to start right up on school horses and have a teacher and went from there and I read that so 
your brother also rode. Yes. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And so I read that you you got bought ponies yes. for, as Christmas presents when you were sort of four or five. Is that right? Yeah. And we had already had some lessons at the riding school, so we were riding already. And yeah, we we woke up Christmas morning and the horse van was parked at our house, which wasn't that unusual because sometimes my dad would take it home to work on it or something. And then we went out and there were two little ponies. They were mother and daughter, actually. My brother picked them up. Wow. My brother was smart. He picked the mother who was brown, <laughs> and I picked the daughter who was gray. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it yeah. was a bad choice. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was so exciting. And I, my mom said I asked when they had to go back. <laughs> I didn't believe they were ours. But oh, um, that's very yeah, sweet. we got ponies and a bridle, so we rode bareback a lot for a while, <laughs> and then we eventually got saddles and girths that fit them. And so when did the sort of the show jumping aspect come into it? Well, um, my parents were into hunters, so um, it was basically a hunter-jumper stable we were at. So we learned right from the beginning yeah. about jumping. Uh, we were jumping bareback, actually, with our little ponies a lot. And uh, so, yeah, we, I, did, I actually didn't ride a jumper until I was 17. Yeah, what point did you think that, it, that, it was, that it, you wanted to be your career or that it could be, you could make it a career for you? Uh, I think it was a while into my riding that before I thought I could make it a career, you know, that I had the confidence that maybe I was good enough. And I think it was really uh, probably after my junior career and when I started college, I went to a junior college and started riding with Katie Prudent and she was really um, positive about my riding and ins inspirational in my riding. And she gave me, offered me a job as a working student once I went through two years of college. And so I took that job with her uh, instead of going on to, I was accepted to the University of Virginia at Charlottesville, which I was also excited about. But um, hmm. instead I chose to go with- To study what? Uh, well, that was the thing. I didn't know what I was gonna major in. So, but I did <laughs> know I was interested in horses. So, and my parents were supportive of that decision that I said, uh, I think that was kind of the point where I said, that's gonna be my career. And they were very supportive and said, well, we'll support you with a horse or whatever for two more years, because we figure that would be two more years of college education. And, uh, Mm. So I was with Katie for a while, yeah, for like four or five years as a working student. And she got me my first uh, opportunity to ride some Grand Prix horses for other people. And uh, so she was really fantastic for me in that way. Not only what I learned from her, but also promoting my, me as a, as a rider and a top rider. And then I went on to work for John from there so I've really only had two jobs <laughs> in my career wow and and we, we talked earlier at the beginning of the interview about the, about the numerous first you achieved and you really were paving the way for female show jumpers does it feel different now does it feel like there are a lot more women and there's there's more equality in the sport now well I have to say growing up in the United States there's always been more women in the sport than in Europe but okay. when I first went to Europe for sure there there was very few women competing and I think uh, probably not me, but also a lot of other American riders. Like, I think we've had women on the team for quite a few years. And, you know, people like mm. Laura Kraut, Lauren Hoff, um, even before me, Anne Krasinski, Katie, uh, Melanie Smith-Taylor, all those women were very successful. And I think, uh, I think it took a while, but in Europe, but I think, uh, they kind of started to respect women quite a bit more just 
not only just me, I think it's been quite a few of us. Sure. Another question here we've got is from, it's either Ive Show Jumping or Eve Show Jumping. It's I-V-E dot Show Jumping. If you could bring back or duplicate a horse, past or present, who would it be? Has it ever been a horse that you've, you know, you wish you'd had, you'd like to have had? Oh, that wasn't. Like to have again? Or I'd like to have again. Authentic Cortez, <laughs> either of those. Um, <laughs> uh, um, other people's horses, horses that from the past maybe? Uh, I'd say Gem Twist from the United States. Um, and who rode Gem Twist? Greg Best and then Leslie Howard. Okay. Um, okay. Who else? Uh, Japalu for if you're thinking older. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually loved riding... Uh, Orient Express, right? Was that the horse I rode at the WEG for Patrice Delavaux? But I feel lucky with the ones I've had. I've, you know, being You've, yeah. being familiar with the horse and knowing everything about him, I mean, I wouldn't trade Authentic or Cortez or Simon or any of those for any for another horse. Yeah. Brookside dot a question wants to know what is your biggest fear when riding? I, I don't have that many fears really. Uh, probably mostly dis- hmm. disappointing our team and our, our owners and things like that. Uh, you know, I, I, I always want to do the best for everybody and, and for the horse. So if I just, I hate when the, the horse is trying to win and doing its best and I, I mess something up, you know, uh, for a hit for the horse, for the people, everybody. Similar sort of question is Salt Dog Bay wants to know, how do you not get nervous before jumping those huge courses? <laughs> Um, people always ask that and I've always been really lucky with that. So I don't know how to give a lot of advice for that other than you don't get, you don't get nerves. I, I I mean, I'd be lying to say I don't have any nerves, but usually once I get on the horse and start riding, uh, the nerves go away. So, um, I guess it's just having confidence in your program, confidence that you're prepared. You know, they don't probably the one I'm most nervous was when I feel I'm not totally prepared for a competition uh-huh. um, or something hasn't gone right. I like to be really organized with my equipment and a plan about getting on because stuff like that distracts me when it when it's not when it's not all in place. <laughs> so I like I like to not have distractions. So you have quite a clear system, do you? Yeah, I think in the stable we have a real clear system with a list of what the horses do every day and what time they're gonna do it on when the horses, I always discuss with the groom when the horse should be up at the rein. Um, if, it, if it's, you know, a horse that I've been switching bridles or boots or things like that, we make go over that, all that before the class and make sure that mm. we have a plan mm-hmm. of what, what, what they're going to do and when they're coming to the rein and things like that. So if, you're, if I'm organized sure. and all that, I don't really have a lot of nerves, but I get an anxiety if, if some of that's not organized or I don't have my right equipment or something. So, and how does the anxiety come out? I mean, can you, are you? Do you think you're a good boss? Can you be <laughs> kind of? Can you be a bit? Do you get a bit cross if things haven't aren't going to plan? How does that kind of anxiety come out? Oh, I don't. I don't get cross with people. I think uh, I have confidence that our staff tries their hardest and and they all want to do their best and they're all very loyal to us. So um, I think I feel like if something didn't go right it's probably because we didn't explain things or or didn't have a good plan or something like that Mm, but we mm. we have very few times that we 
have a reason to get cross with our staff, really. I think you, you come across as quite sort of level-headed. Would you say you're quite a level-headed, calm person? Yeah, I think that's one of my better qualities in riding, probably more so than talent or anything. But I think I don't get too excited or high on the on the wins or the highs and not too down on the on the lows. So I, I think that's really important because we have our sport is full of ups and downs. And if you overreact to either one, I think you can get off the beaten path. <laughs> that's interesting. You say you talked about your talent there. Are you saying that you don't see yourself as talented? I think I'm talented, but I wouldn't pick myself as one of the most talented riders out there. Um, I think I think talent is, again, you know, with the horses, there's a list of qualities, a long list of qualities you look for in a horse, and I think it's the same in a rider. You know, talent is one of them, mm. one of them for sure, and without the talent, you're probably not going to be one of the top riders, but I think uh, dedication, hard work, uh, level-headedness, not, you know, not letting temper um, be involved in mm. your training with the animals, um, having people and a program uh, that you get along with people because if you can't keep your staff and your and your sponsors happy uh, and you're always changing, that's stressful and um, difficult. I, I think there's, a, you know, you have to present yourself well in a professional manner that people want to be a part of your team. Uh, I think mm. all of that is really important. And being a horse part, you know, being able to pick horses is a huge part of it, too. So some yeah. people have all the talent yeah. in the world, and they just never end up getting the right horse with them. Yeah, no, definitely. When I, when I talked about the luck you've had with horses, I, I, I don't actually think it's necessarily <laughs> luck at all. I think you knew, you knew which horses to choose, mm. and also you, you then bought the best out of those horses. I don't, you know, I don't think there was, there was that much luck there, to be <laughs> honest. And you talked about talented riders. If you were going to name someone, is there someone right now you think are just... Totally, you know, it's just talent, sheer natural talent. Is there someone you could think I of? I think Eric Lamaze has always, I've always admired him with that. You know, yeah. he's just, I don't think he even thinks about riding or thinks about finding a distance or thinks about trying, you know, he just <laughs> does it. It's just, uh, it's, it's yes. just so yeah. natural. Absolutely. And we've spoken about your incredible career and my dirty ponies underscore and Maddie underscore Jackson 11 both want to know. What's your biggest achievement, would you say, out of all the successes you've had? Um, I don't, you know, I think the, the two World Cup titles are my individual titles, but I think I've mm. always put thought of the team as the most important. So I, I, think, mm-hmm. I think possibly the repeating the gold medal in Hong Kong was one of our as a team, one of our best things. I think it's hard yeah. to defend that. And I think uh, I think we had a good performance there. Um, I think one of my favorite weeks, though, was even though it wasn't as good a medals, but the, the two bronze medals at the week in Normandy with Cortez, with him being named the best, best mm. horse, was probably one of my fav- favorite mm. weeks. Um, even though it wasn't a gold medal. But I think... Why was it your favourite week? I think everything leading up to that championship went really well with Cortez. We were just kind of waiting for it to happen. The horse was amazing the whole week. And, you know, it didn't seem like a struggle at all. It just seemed like we went in the rain and jumped Mm -hmm. around. and, And it was 
it was a fantastic competition besides. And it, yeah. I don't know why, but it was, it, everything went so smoothly, the horse went so beautifully, and it just seemed easy. You've spoken about, obviously, the ups and downs of the sport, which show jumping is, goodness me, with horses, <laughs> there's always ups and downs. Is there a particular time in your career when, when things weren't going quite so well that you can think of that you had sort of to deal with and to pick yourself back up? Yeah, I think one of the lowest times we had was we had probably in a period of a year and a half two really top horses that passed away for reasons that shouldn't wouldn't normally happen we had one named Cockney who ended up after the autopsy we found out he had a tumor on his pituitary gland but he went through a terrible terrible sickness and passed away from it and then we had a super talented young horse who was just starting to do Grand Prix. She had an injury and they did a simple surgery, which was kind of like a carpal tunnel surgery. And she broke her leg getting up out of anesthesia. Wow. And uh, so badly that they put her down before they even uh-huh. called us. So um, wow. it was, wow. and goodness. that happened within a year and a half, two years of, uh, so. How long ago was that? Uh, that was probably, that was Cockney was in the era of the Sydney Olympics. I'm trying to think what year Sydney Olympics was. Was it 2000? I think 2000, yeah. Wow, yeah. So that, that's, that's always tough. hard, you know, because you just feel like, wow. <laughs> in a heartbeat, you have no horses, and you hate to have that horse happen to any horse as well. So that was, that was, that was mm. a tough time, mm. but we came back. <laughs> So who did you come back with? What were the kind of the next? Was that would that would that have been authentic? Uh, yeah, authentic was soon after that, and judgment was sent yeah. to us actually after the Sydney tr- Olympic trials. Michael Matz was riding him at the time, uh, and he yeah. was basically quitting show jumping and going into racehorses. So he chose us to send his. <laughs> he actually had two horses he wanted to send us, but one owner sent judgment and the other owner sent theirs to another rider but um so that was a nice boost you know after kind of a depressing yeah. time and for him to pick us to send the horse to was really nice funny talking about quitting show jumping i've got a question here from forno underscore emil i apologize if i haven't pronounced that correctly have you ever tried eventing no eventing scares me <laughs> <laughs> there you go that's something that does scare you <laughs> that's when i have fear yeah <laughs> The cross country, yeah, it does for sure. I know we we've helped some eventers before, and uh, they say they'd be scared to jump the 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 size of the fences that we totally. jump. But to me, to me, what they do looks much scarier. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I I event at a very low level, and I find show jumping more scary than cross country. Yeah, it's it's, it's the accuracy. You know, with cross country, there's a certain degree of something you yeah. just kick on. Doesn't matter if it's messy, yeah. you just kick on and get the job done. Show jumping yeah. is it's so precise, and also in these big big tracks these days, you know this, the relator's distance and every jump comes up so fast, doesn't it? They're so technical the tracks. Yeah, very. But at the same time, the fences are delicate; they fall down, yeah, easy, which is so it makes it difficult to go clear, but also feels not so dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Ella underscore Samp zero eight wants to know what's your favorite thing to do other than ride. Oh, other than ride. Um, actually, I love. We haven't had time lately, or taken the time, I should say. But I love to snow ski. Okay. I'm not very good at it, but I like the very easy runs and and 
yeah, the pleasantness, you know, it's clean, it's fresh, it's, it's just a lot of, I think it's fun, a lot of fun. And the final question we've got here, which was from X underscore Lois underscore Shannon, who would you say has been your top horse? You've had a lot, if you had to name one. That's difficult. Um, I'd say, I'd say authentic because he was just such a winner and so capable. Uh, and had probably with me the longest career. I had him for, since he was six till he was 14 mm. or 15, he went till. So we had the longest career. I think Cortez was probably the most physically and unbelievable talent mm. that I've had. You know, like I said, he jumping a meter 60 felt mm. like a meter 35 mm. course with mm. most horses. <laughs> And the final questions we're coming to now, the questions we ask all our riders at the end of the podcast. If you hadn't been a horse rider, what do you think you might have been? Well, if I could still pick something in the horse industry, I think I would have been more of a trainer, teacher. You can't see there wasn't it, anything yeah. when you were at school. Was there anything you were kind of into that could potentially have taken you away from horses? Well, I like riding. I'm not that outgoing of a speaker, so I, I would always be much better at putting things into words when I was writing something. So probably would have gotten into something with that. Sure. When are you happiest, Beezy? Uh, Well, in life, I would say probably the end of the, if I've had a good day with the horses and friends and family are all in good health, uh, that's something you appreciate these days. Yeah. If I had to pick like happiest in the moment of show jumping, I love going into arriving at or going into a big championship and, if things are all going well, I, you know, I think that's why I picked Normandy as one of my favorite weeks is because we were just all waiting for that to happen and everything was going well and we were all excited to be there. I think that's the coolest part of time of our sport. It all, all clicks into place. Yeah. Hmm. What do you wish you'd known 10 years ago? What might you have told yourself? Yeah, I don't know if there's anything... I wish I'd known uh I was thinking you know I'm here in Wellington one thing would have been if I had known the sport would just keep growing down here I mean it's unbelievable we could have made some probably better real estate investments or something like that but it was always just hard to believe that there would be more and more people that would want to come down here and and be involved and it's uh I think it's a great thing for our sport that it's growing but you know, we, we've also gone through some growing pains, but I think it's fantastic. Prize money and the amount of people that are getting into our sport. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly helps pay the bills, doesn't it? It's not a cheap sport, is it? That's for sure. Finally, Beezy, tell us a secret. Secret? Something that people might not know about you. Anything you can uh, think of, unexpected. Well, we discussed my brother a little earlier, and actually my brother was a better rider when we were younger than I was, so <laughs> maybe that's oh, really? a good secret. But he stopped riding when he went to college. So think what he could have become. Yeah. Got a question here from Sophia underscore PX. Wants to know, what's the favourite thing about Charles Owen helmets? My favourite thing about Charles Owen helmets is I think the f- they fit me so well and the comfort is really well. I mean, I, some days I wear it all day long and I get to the end of the day and I think, wow, I haven't even taken my helmet off today. But um, along with the fact that they, I know they've done a lot of research into trying to make the helmets as safe as they can be. And, but I think Charles Owens would be, are also always saying to go with the helmet that you can get the best fit with because what's really important is the fit of the helmet to have it be effective in protecting you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Beezy, thank you so much. We've come to the end now. So I really appreciate your time and good luck with the rest of the season. How long are you in Florida for? Uh, 12 weeks, I believe. We're on week one. We just had week one, so we have 11 more weeks. Wow, lucky you. We'll enjoy the sunshine. Yeah, I will. Thank you. Yeah, and good luck with it all. Thank you so much for talking to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure.